Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. I'm Lauren Sherman, the writer behind Puck's fashion and beauty memo line sheet. And I'd like to welcome you to my new show, Fashion People. On every episode of Fashion People, I'll be talking to insiders about the stuff we're all whispering between the press releases. From m and rumors to celebrity stylist dish to the future of legacy media. Be sure to follow and listen to Fashion People, a presentation of Odyssey in partnership with Puck. Available on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Unhappy Hour, the show where we bitch about all the things we love to hate every single week. I'm your host, Matt Bellisai. By the way, if you want to see me perform live, I will be at the Aspen Comedy Festival coming up this September, September 20th. It's a Thursday. I'll be at the Wheeler Opera House. You can buy tickets now. Go to mattbellisai.com slash tour or Google it. But for now, I'm in the studio, as always, with my producer, Barry Finkel. Hi, Barry. Hey, Matt. Are you ready? For what? A, a show. Yeah. We're doing a podcast oh right God, now. I'm right here. I don't yeah, know I'm if ready. you know, we're in a fucking studio Are with microphones. Are you ready? Yes. I had a big breakfast. Oh, good. I had an egg sandwich and a fruit salad and three donuts. And on that note, we're going to start off, as we always do, with Worst Things First, where I highlight the worst news of the week. Then we are diving deep into a deeply personal and politically fraught topic. It is a topic that consumes me, yet also one that I consume. We're talking about dessert, because there are ways to fuck up the necessary perfection that is dessert. And I am here to right your wrongs. After that, we got Mara Wilson in the studio. She was, of course, the star of Mrs. Doubtfire, Miracle on 34th Street, and frickin' Matilda, true 90s royalty. And she continues her royal reign as a writer and now featured guest complainer. We've got all that and more, so let's get into it. Let's do it. Let's start the show. All right, horse things first. Let's get through the worst news of the week. First, we got a doozy starting off. Oh, boy. It's a a little grim. (laughs) A bunch of cats are turning up dead (laughs) all over Washington State. And authorities are starting to suspect that it is a single serial cat killer responsible for all of them. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know why I'm laughing because this is grim as fuck. This is the this is the beginning of a movie where like a little girl gets possessed by the devil and murders her entire family. Yes. <laughs> Everyone's like, I don't know why the cats are all dead. And this little girl has like a paring knife under her pillow. <laughs> 
The 13th cat, see, this is uh-huh. already fucked up. Mm-hmm. Already fucked up. The 13th cat was found dead uh, last week in Thurston County near Olympia, Washington. Most of the cats were found in public places and did not appear to have been killed by wild animals. They're also all like dismembered. Oh. This is some HBO miniseries shit. All right, I just watched Sharp Objects on HBO <laughs> and I'm terrified of everyone and everything. Trust no one. But this isn't the only cat murderer lurking around. <laughs> this is such an upsetting sequence. Um, in South London, apparently there's a suspect dubbed the Croydon Cat Ripper. Get it? Like Jack the Ripper. It's thought to be responsible for as many as 500 <gasps> murdered cats over the past three years. Are these stray cats or like domesticated cats? Um, well, at least the one in Washington, they're like domesticated cats. Oh, that's fucked up. I mean, I it's, mean, it's pretty fucked up, fucked up, up either way. But, but that... <laughs> <laughs> Kill the homeless cats. That's fine. Yeah, no, it's like people who let their cats outside and then he oh. like steal or, or she kills them. Obviously fucked up, even though I hate cats and they deserve it. So (laughs) they don't deserve to be mass murdered. Next! This is an update on an earlier story from a few weeks ago. Remember, uh, there were a bunch of goats who escaped in yeah! New, New Jersey. Fred, set them free. Yeah, uh, he was. Uh, the rumor was that a hero goat named Fred was the one who sprang them all out. Well, Fred has been captured. Oh, no. And even though I guess it was mostly a joke that Fred actually set them free, the auction house manager has given interviews to be like, Fred did it. He's framing Fred for his fuck up. And now nobody knows what's going to happen to Fred. Police apparently got help from locals to catch Fred. So some of you motherfuckers fucking ratted on Fred. I hope you're enjoying your shitty life. You had nothing better to do than to turn in a goat who was trying to do good in this world and set those goats free. (sighs) Justice for Fred. I believe in Fred. If he escaped once, he can escape again. We just have to believe. Next! A shopping plaza in Toronto is about to become home to a place that advertises itself as the first ever sex doll brothel in North America. Wow. (laughs) Um, Yes. Wow. What does that mean? Just use your imagination. (laughs) Or here's the description. Uh, The brothel, it's called Aura Dolls, promises to bring an exciting new way for patrons to achieve their needs, quote, without the many restrictions and limitations that a real partner may come with. (laughs) Are you tired of real people? (laughs) Fuck a toy. (laughs) I mean, that's a thing. That is a thing. But like, fuck a doll. I don't know. It's in a shopping mall and you go there and uh, I guess according to their website, there's no human staff in the brothel section, what which is, it, is like an incredibly upsetting <laughs> sentence. <laughs> Customers just put payment on the counter and then go straight into a room and then smash Barbie until she's ruined. But who cleans her? It can't be like at a gym where you like are supposed to wipe down the equipment after you're done. <laughs> like that's not a good system. Just towel her off when you're done, <laughs> or him, and. Um, be on your way and then the next person comes in it's like a it's you know like a cast iron skillet mm. you don't really wash it it just no. gets seasoned the, seasoning. the more people use it right 
I hate everything. Everything that we just said <laughs> is horrible. Um, customers will be charged anywhere from sixty to seven hundred and forty-two dollars. <laughs> What an insane spectrum. What is the difference between those two price points? What does $700 get you that $60 doesn't? One is like a Barbie. I'm just imagining like a motel bed that you put quarters in and it starts shaking. (laughs) But a doll. Uh, And finally, this is one of my favorite stories, um, (gasps) even though it's insane. Uh, A former Olympic swimmer. He's a two-time gold medalist. His name is Cleet Keller. Wow. Which is not a real name. Nope. Uh, he used an app called WAG yeah. to find a dog sitter for his dog Jimbo mm-hmm. at his home in Colorado Springs. So he gets a dog sitter. He goes out. It's a Sunday night. Comes back home 1 a.m. on Monday and finds two shirtless men sitting on his couch with an open bottle of lube and a camcorder. <laughs> <laughs> So I signed up for WAG and (laughs) well, the fucked up thing was that the dog sitter was a woman and she wasn't there. And he was like, where the fuck is my dog sitter? Who are you? Turns out she was in the bathroom taking a shower when she got out of the shower. This was the excuse that she gave. She says, to be completely honest, I didn't have WD-40 and my keys were stuck in my car. So I ended up grabbing what I had in my car for things that, you know, I do on my personal time. And I didn't think to put it back in my car. What? <laughs> How do the two men come into that then? I don't know if she means like... She needed WD-40 for something. So instead she just used lube. That she happened to have in her car. Because I, I carry lube around with me everywhere Constantly. just in case. Yeah, you never just know. Just in my car, in the glove compartment. I honestly cannot make any sense of this explanation. She was like, I I yeah, she needed WD-40 for something and it said use personal lube and also two shirtless men and a camcorder were there. Cleet said it was just a total mess, and I can only imagine what poor Jimbo saw in there. <laughs> I think the subtext of almost everything is don't shoot a porn <laughs> in my house that's not yours. Although I assume that that's like 90% of Airbnb's business. Right. Like every Airbnb that we've stayed at in LA is definitely been the site of at least like one porn. <laughs> it for Worst Things First. Next up, we are jumping headfirst into a pool of bread pudding. We're cannonballing into an ice cream sundae. We are diving deep into desserts. Pecan pie. Macadamia nut. Apples. Maraschino cherries. Deep dive, deep dive, deep dive, deep dive, deep dive. Deep dive, deep dive, deep dive, deep dive, deep dive. All right. Well, as everybody who listens to the podcast knows, I have been watching an absurd amount of the Great British Bake Off. And obviously, I am now an expert on all baked goods and desserts. Breads, brownies, bagels, donuts, all of it. I've also baked three things in the past 
month. So <laughs> that's a lot. That's almost one a week. Uh, yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to brag, but uh, I made a banana bread and chocolate chip cookies and um, a disgusting citrus <laughs> olive oil cake. But I nonetheless ate all of. Uh, I'm also just very passionate about dessert. I believe it is a sacred part of every meal. We were in LA a few weeks ago, and we ate at a nice restaurant, and then we ordered dessert, and the waitress was like a bitch about it. <laughs> like, oh my god, you I haven't. No one's ordered dessert here in like weeks. Just like, because your city is garbage doesn't mean I'm not allowed to use my God-given right to order dessert. And I was so fronted. You're a restaurant. What else are you for? Everything, every other part of the meal is just a prelude to your desserts. Amen. Also, people were very passionate a couple weeks ago about my stance on macadamia nut cookies, which I stand by, okay? Macadamia nut cookies are an abomination because you see it and you're like, oh, oh, it's it's chocolate chip cookies with, with white chocolate. I guess, I guess that's fine. I guess I can live with that. And then you bite into it. Bam! Disappointment. I don't like food that is intended to try to trick me into thinking it's something else. Do not dupe me. I will not be duped. So I want to go through some other dessert faux pas and disasters. These are all of my strong opinions on all things sweet. First, let's just start off with the broadest possible statement. Fruit has no place in dessert. Amen. If there's fruit in it at all, it's not dessert. It's breakfast. Amen. Legally. Legally. Legally, you can get away with eating it for breakfast. No jams, jellies, jellos, sauces, suckers. I don't want any of it. If it has fruit in it, it's disgusting. Strawberries, blueberries, apricots. Oranges, lemons, none of it. I'll just well, lemons. I thought lemons we are accepting. Yeah, I'll take a lemon, I guess. A lemon poppy seed. Because lemon, when it's in something, is not in there as fruit. It's in there more as like a spice or a flavor profile rather than just like a, a like punch of fruit. You know what I mean? You're also not just eating a lemon ever. Right. That, that's what I mean. Yeah. Right. Right. It's the juice of it. It's the flavor. Yes. Next! Desserts that are too showy. Desserts that are trying to show off Mm-mm. and impress me. No, just taste good. 24 karat gold leaf or whatever. Yeah. I don't want it on my ice cream. I want it on my fingers. Also, desserts that come to the table and they're like on fire. <laughs> it's a danger. It it scares me. It does. What if it's still on fire when it goes down my throat? Then you're a flamethrower all of a sudden. I didn't sign up for that. I didn't go to clown school. I'm not a dragon. <laughs> uh, also, desserts that you have to like do work on when it gets to you. There's that like very trendy dessert where you have things encased in like a uh, a chocolate dome, and then you pour hot chocolate on top of it, and it like melts right. it. Yes. I don't. I don't need a reveal. No. <laughs> okay? We're not. I'm not looking at like. A extreme home makeover where we have to move a fucking bus for me to see the dessert I'm about to eat. <laughs> Just give me the cake and let me be free. They do this a lot on Great British Bake Off because the end of every episode they have to make a showstopper which is like the dessert that you would have as like a centerpiece mm-hmm. on a table. So you want to make it look really good. But desserts that look that you put a lot of effort into like making look really good 
often taste like garbage. Yeah. Because it's like all of that elaborate icing that you don't want to eat. Right. Dessert is about taste more than anything. Also, just most cake frostings in general are like overwhelmingly disgusting. I'm going to go ahead and say not a huge fan of cake, but especially the frosting. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Cake is good. Frosting is bad. Cake is better than pie. Whoa. Hard disagree. I am team cake. I'm team pie. Uh, Pie is mostly repulsive. See, if we're talking about flavor, though, I almost always would prefer a flavor of a pie than the flavor of cake. Uh, no. Yes. But that being said, I don't like fruit pies because we've already discussed. What's left? Chocolate pies and uh, nut pies like pecan pie. Yeah. I like that. Fine. I'll allow that. My thing is, I don't like pie crust. I think pie crust is like, it usually is like sandy. It's like a desert. Are you talking about like a graham cracker pie crust? Graham cracker crust is better. But most like kind of pastry pie crusts are just dry and gross. And all I want is the filling. But most often it's like fruity and disgusting. Pumpkin pie is the only acceptable pie. See, I like pumpkin pie. And even then, that's pushing it. It is pushing it. Next, strawberry milkshakes. If you choose any flavor milkshake that isn't vanilla or chocolate, you're a monster. I like adding things in with vanilla or chocolate, but never, once again, fruit. Why would I want fruit in my milkshake? It's not, It's we're not making smoothies. We're making milkshakes. I'm going to go ahead and say anything strawberry flavored is disgusting. And I love strawberries. Also, malt? What the fuck is malt? Nobody really knows what malt is. I have no idea. That's what Whoppers are made out of. And I think Whoppers are repulsive. Amen. It just tastes like a sweet dirt. Yeah. It's very... It's a very dry chocolate. Mm-hmm. My like low-key elitist opinion is that most chocolate is horrible because it's like like Hershey's. Not real. That's yeah. not, it's not actual chocolate. Right, but that is like the most mainstream chocolate. Next, I feel like I've been on the record about this before. Chocolate and peanut butter together. I'm not a huge fan. I get it on my list of grievances. It's not high, but I wouldn't seek it out. It is my favorite combination. I think peanut butter dries out most things if it's not made properly. And so you get like a nice moist chocolate bit and then just a dry, chalky peanut butter bit. I get that. But peanut butter can be so creamy and delicious and like almost, you know, smooth. Yeah, that's the definition. (laughs) (laughs) I don't disagree with what peanut butter is. I love it. I love that combination. Moving on. Carrot cake is good. Zucchini bread is bad. I don't, I have always loved carrot cake. We used to go to Old Country Buffet before we got kicked out. And um, (laughs) I won't repeat that whole story here. Uh, Those of you who know it, know it. And I, they always had carrot cakes that they would serve in like little bowls. And I always loved it. And they painted a little carrot on top. But then, it, then I started getting introduced to other vegetable-based cakes and breads, <laughs> and I was like, "Fuck you! I don't, I don't have time for uh, a green-based food. Any green-based food, really. I don't. People always defend it by being like, it makes it so moist.'" <laughs> 
<laughs> I don't care how wet of a bread I get from putting a fucking zucchini in it. I'm not going to dip a cucumber into this bread just to make you happy. Next, any frozen dessert that isn't ice cream is horrible. Only maybe gelato, because that's just like ice cream with extra ice cream smashed into it, basically. Mm -hmm. Custard, not into it. Mm -mm. That's just eggy ice cream. Yeah. Frozen yogurt, I'm not like, I'll eat it, but But I won't be happy about it. But it should not be considered ice cream. But no. Well, I don't think anyone does. I mean, people will like do it as a substitute and that's not okay. I think of frozen yogurt as something you eat before the meal and right. then ice cream you it's have the after the meal. It gets your palate ready. Um, s'mores. S'mores are, you're never, you, I've never met anybody who has made a perfect s'more. It's impossible. It's an impossible task because you set the fucking marshmallow on fire and then it's like you have to fucking wrangle it. You have to wrangle the flaming marshmallow onto a a wedge of graham cracker that you've had to like pickaxe apart. And it's never a perfect square. It's always a jagged piece of graham cracker and then a jagged piece of chocolate. And then you put the marshmallow on or marshmallow, as they say in London. And then... You bite into it, and it's like you're biting into fucking the Pillsbury Doughboy's hot semen because the inside of the marshmallow just bursts out. And God forbid you get any of it on your skin because that shit won't come off ever. I have marshmallow stains on my face that have been there for 10 years from the last time I tried to make s'mores. Also, it's disgusting to put a marshmallow on a stick that you found outside. What am I, a fucking dog? I'm not going to put a stick in my mouth. And finally, maraschino cherries are repulsive. They are the devil's cherry. <laughs> I cannot believe that we accepted that as a sun a Sunday finisher for for millennia. We just accepted that you can put a stop sign red cherry on top of it, <laughs> just slathered in like the grossest syrup you could possibly imagine. What are they? Are they real cherries? I think it's a real cherry that's been like, just like finger blasted (laughs) with sugar. Well, let's look it up. Maraschino cherry is a preserved sweetened cherry typically made from light colored sweet cherries. In their modern form, they're preserved in a brine solution, usually containing sulfur dioxide. (laughs) What? To bleach them, and then they're soaked in food coloring, sugar oh, syrup. Good. It's just ugh, fuck. It's so gross. Also, you you put it in like a Shirley Temple. <laughs> it's the way of dressing up stuff that doesn't need. There are so many better dressings. Mm-hmm. Put honestly, I'd rather you literally put like a scarf around it than put <laughs> a, a maraschino cherry on top of it. <sighs> And on that note, I am done with maraschino cherries. I am done with all of your shitty dessert opinions. I am done with all of it. Give me a nice slice of chocolate cake, maybe with a little bit of ganache in the center. (laughs) A little bit of uh, ice cream on the side. Heat that shit up, 350 degrees. Perfect. Perfection. And that's it for this week's Deep Dive. Next up, we're moving to the dessert of this episode, an interview with Mara Wilson, coming right up after this commercial break. 
episode is brought to you by Daily Harvest. When you're me, just living your life like the title credits of Sex in the City, just fashionably getting in and out of taxis and running in stilettos from one meeting to the next before sitting down to judge all of my friends and call it writing. I mean, sometimes I'm just so busy, I can't help but wonder, did I even eat lunch? No, I don't have to ask that question. I've got Daily Harvest. Daily Harvest delivers perfectly portioned cups of frozen organic fruits and vegetables directly to your door. It gives me healthy fuel fast. All you have to do is add water or your fave milk to your cup, blend it up, or throw that bad boy into the microwave and enjoy. They've got savory harvest bowls. They've got dessert-inspired plant-based protein smoothies. They've even got soups. I never thought I could make soup, but blending up the chilled avocado cucumber soup totally counts, and it is delicious. And you can be a soup star, too. Just go to daily-harvest.com and enter promo code UNHAPPY to get three cups free in your first box. That's promo code UNHAPPY for three free Daily Harvest Cups at daily-harvest.com, daily-harvest.com. Today's episode is also brought to you by the Andy Daily Podcast Pilot Project. Earwolf fans have been asking for more episodes of the Andy Daily Podcast Pilot Project for years. And now he's back with a new batch of pilots. Season two is out right now. So what is the Andy Daily Podcast Pilot Project? Well, people often send fully produced pilots to the podcast company Earwolf in hopes of getting picked up by the network. Andy Daly and his co-host Matt Gorley sifted through those pilots and picked the best ones to air on their show. But none of those pilots were picked up because none of those pilots really exist. Each episode is actually loosely scripted improv centered on one of Andy's characters, aka each episode is hilarious. This show is as close as podcasts get to sketch comedy, so check it out. Subscribe to the Andy Daly Podcast Pilot Project in Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen, and you'll get a new pilot every Thursday. My guest complainer today is Mara Wilson. Mara is a writer, playwright, performer, author of the book Where Am I Now? True Stories of Girlhood and Accidental Fame. You may know her from her childhood roles in Matilda, Mrs. Doubtfire, etc. And now you can get her writing right in your inbox with her weekly newsletter on Substack. Mara Wilson, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for coming. So we like to get uh, our complaining juices going, by yeah. asking everybody, what is one thing you hate that everybody else loves? I, I'm embarrassed already to, to say <laughs> this, but I Good. don't like sad music. Yeah. I don't like or, or overly sad uh-huh. music. Like, I, I think she's an amazing person and a very talented person, but I cannot stand Adele's music. <laughs> cannot stand it. I don't want to no. be in the same room when it's playing. Yeah. I don't think that just because... You like sad music. You are deep and emotional. I mean, I feel like I can get depressed all by myself. Right. I already cry at like this American Life and Pixar movies. You know, <laughs> I don't need, I don't need it. And it's just, it's just like nails on a chalkboard for me to feel to to be like inundated with too much over the top emotion. It feels, yeah. it doesn't feel comfortable to me. I think music, yeah, sad music. 
and slow music too. Like, like I, I'm sorry, I don't care. Like, what a brilliant lyricist he is. I think Sufjan Stevens is really boring. <laughs> I and I know, I know that I have like a bad taste in music. You know, probably uh, I like poppy music. I mean, I can listen to sad music with, if it's in the context of a musical. Right, right. If it's serving a greater purpose that way. Uh huh. And I am a big musical theater nerd, so that is something that I, I know a lot of. But just do you have like, a favorite sad musical song? Oh, let's see, favorite sad musical songs. I love "Being Alive" from uh-huh. Company. Right. I love, uh, uh, um, you know, I, uh, anything from Cabaret. Which uh-huh. is, I mean, it's about World War II. It's about the Nazis. Of course, it's sad. <laughs> yeah. Um, Unworthy of Your Love from Assassins is super creepy, and I love it. Uh huh. You know, I love these. I love these like messed up love ballads. I, right, right. I love them, but uh, my but go-to is always on my own from yes, Les Mis. Yes, I love that one too. I love that one too. Because uh, it's just the perfect like he won't love me back. I might as well die. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just it's it's very overwrought fifteen-year-old kind of thing. Right, right. Uh, and I, I yeah, and I I like that, but like. I remember I used to have like a roommate who would play Coldplay and I would get really depressed <laughs> listening to it. Yeah. yeah. Sad, slow music. I can I can feel like my blood pressure dropping. I, I always feel, feel that yeah. way when I'm like getting in the shower. And, and now I have this whole routine where I have to like pick a song that I'm going to like play on the the. Yeah. Little shower speaker. I play Beyonce's Countdown a lot while I'm in the shower. Yeah, which which keeps me like going really quickly. Right, right. You know, you 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 spend like five minutes in the shower, and uh, and or you could try to spend five minutes in the shower, and you'll get out, and it'll be like an hour. <laughs> right. Yeah, you, you'll think that it will be five minutes. You've but made you've it actually... through all of four. Yeah, all exactly, of... <laughs> exactly. All of BJ. Yeah, I I'm always like oh, I want to pick a song that I can sing along to, mm-hmm. but I want like an upbeat song. Yeah, like the ballads. That's all I like singing a ballad in the shower. Yeah. It's but then it's sing, like a sad song, and then you're just like, yeah. I don't want to be like sad in the morning. Yeah, I exactly. want a pick me up song that I can also sing along to. Lately, I've been listening to to Abba in the shower. Uh, yes, and I haven't even seen Mamma Mia. Here we go again. So you know, I don't, I don't know what my deal is. But, right. Uh, I was just watching it on. Yeah. Uh, well, the first one, the first Mamma yeah. Mia on Netflix. I like, I, I, I like upbeat music. You, I think, sent in a couple of of things. Sarcasm was another one. I hate one. sarcasm. <laughs> I don't like sarcasm. Just say what you mean. I you're not funny for saying that you don't uh, see this is the thing that bothers me is I'm I don't know if I'm a gullible pe- person but I do sort of I I think that I'm kind of always questioning the world around me and I never know anything for sure and I like to hear other people's so people will say something I'll say like Somebody will say like, oh, yeah, that was a great movie. (laughs) And I'll say and I'll be like, really? You thought that was a good movie? I didn't think it was very good at all. And they'll be like, well, of course not. I'm being sarcastic. And I want to be like, I'm sorry that I can conceive of a world in which we have different opinions or I'm sorry that I can conceive of a world in which, you know, you you say something and you mean it. (laughs) I think that I, I hate sarcasm because I feel like so many people think that it makes them funny and it doesn't. Yeah. It's not, it's not intelligent. It's not, you know, and sometimes you're just, you're not being funny. You're just being mean. Yeah. I don't think that, that snark, I feel like snark is like salt. Like it's something that it's great, but like, you're probably not Dorothy Parker. (laughs) You know, you're probably not. Like if I see fluent in sarcasm on a Twitter bio one more time, I, I just, I don't know. The thing is I'm, I'm, 
I am almost pathetically, you know, pathologically sincere. Yeah. I I I can't be anything other than myself. I'm, right. I'm I've learned to lie, but it took me a very long time. <laughs> I and and that is the thing, and it bothers me when people are are doing this and and sarcasm. I think it's 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 like cynicism. I think that everybody has cynicism to a certain to a certain extent, and that's like a defense. But yeah. if you're like a really cynical person, that's like that's like somebody that's like being they're covered in calluses. You yeah. know that it's protecting something. You know, or like covered in blisters or something, right. covering what's been rubbed raw. It's right, not right. which would which is not a good look. <laughs> Literally or figuratively yeah yeah <laughs> i i remember so i used to work and and write a bunch for buzzfeed and mm-hmm. uh, i remember there was sort of this like war mm. with gawker and and the gawker brands yeah in particular there was this person who wrote uh this thing about smarm i don't know if you oh, remember yeah this. i remember that and it was yeah. just like kind of critiquing buzzfeed for being like too genuine and earnest yeah and, and it's like I, let people be genuine yeah i remember <laughs> reading that piece and being like i i do agree with it in some ways like right. i do think i do think there's there's some very fake Sort of, you know, like, like, not to quote all about Eve this early in the morning, but, you know, did the cheap sentiment. And I do think, yeah. That, yeah, there is. There can be, you know, there can be a lot of cheap sentiment. And I think it's really what is what is driving that. Mm-hmm. You know, is it is it, you know, are, are people doing this to monetize something? Are they doing it to get clicks? And that I can see as a problem. But when somebody is sharing their story or somebody is earnest, I, I you know, I feel like that isn't that isn't a weak thing. Right. And I get tired of people seeing that as as something weak and vulnerable and something to make fun of. Yeah. Um, the concept of fucking your fans. Yes, DFYF. That is a very, <laughs> that is very, I don't like it when people, when people hook up with their fans. I think it's very, very improper. Yeah. Um, at least when it's, when it's, uh, when it's, I mean, and I think it's especially true about those of us who got famous when we were young. Yeah. You know, I would see, I shouldn't name names, but I would see like some other child actors or, or you know, musicians who'd gotten famous when they were young who would be like, hey, girls, give me your Skype number and I will and I will message you. And I was like, don't do that. You're taking advantage of them. And it's not fair. It's not fair to you either. Right. So it's you're putting you up on a pedestal. That's not fair. And you're taking advantage of their their love and trust in you. And that's really not fair. So. Right. right. So that's a, so, yeah, DFYF, I think, is a very. I guess it's different if they're a fan of you as an adult and they don't like worship you. If it's more even, you know, level, then, you know, that's okay. But otherwise, yeah, don't do that. Good. Good. Good note. Anybody with a big fan base who's listening. Yeah. <laughs> so I do want to ask, you've called yourself a, a recovering child star, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> what is your relationship with that term now? Like, does it has it changed I mean, I think that everybody knows that any child star is going to have some kinds of issues. It's just not it's it's not a regular way to grow up. I think my parents never expected me to go as far as they did. And they tried their best to, you know, keep me grounded. But I do think that, like, the entitlement and the insecurity and the the uh, the, you know, just just the the weirdness of having, you know, everybody know you but not really know you. Right. It definitely does affect you. Yeah. It definitely does. It definitely does affect you. And I can see why. Like, I really wish people wouldn't. I mean, this is another thing I can complain about. But I yes. really wish people wouldn't dehumanize or mock the the child actors that have gone through things. Yeah. I think that there was a time in my life where I might have been like, oh, well, at least I'm not them, which felt very, you know, I'm not like the other girls. And <laughs> yeah. but I just I realize now I'm like, no, that very easily could have been me. If, yeah. if one or two variables changed, if if, you know, and it's it, that very easily could have been me. I feel like uh, 
the thing is also that I feel like a lot of people are just like, oh, well, of course, Hollywood is evil. Hollywood is bad. And I'm like, I think there's Hollywood. There's the media. They're two separate things, but intertwined. And there's fans. And I think that the media and fans don't understand uh, that a lot of the ways that they treat people are not <laughs> are part of the problem as yeah. well. So I think that that's something that we need to you know acknowledge. There's a lot of dehumanization. Yeah, yeah. Especially now that like and the, putting somebody up on a pedestal is a kind of dehumanization in itself. I right, think. right. Nobody can deal with that for very long. Um, I wanted to ask about. So you had this page full of FAQs on oh, your yeah. your old blog, and oh I just gosh. love I I love that it seems like it came from a place of great frustration. Yeah. <laughs> I look back at it now and like I'm like wow that was some of that stuff was kind of mean and now I, I love like I mean I, the sample questions are, are you Matilda will you be my best friend can you make me famous I yeah and you wrote that like all of these things were yeah things they were things verbatim came from they were things mouths. that people asked me they were they were you know they would be like can I do this and I mean maybe there was a bit more tongue in cheek but they were all things that people had asked. Yeah. They were all things that people had had said. You was know? there like a breaking point where you were like, I need to write this fucking FAQ? I don't know. I feel like people were like, are you are you Matilda? And I got like, I mean, I got like dragged by a lot of people for it. They were like, you know, you sound so bitchy. This I got a lot of people calling me out for it. And I don't know. I thought I thought that I was being self-deprecating. But a lot of other yeah. people were like, you know, were were uh were not did not see it that way. They saw it as me being as me being mean to other people, me being cutting. And uh, I, hope, I yeah. don't think so. I loved yeah, it. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad you like it. I I do think that I've I've lightened up a bit since then. I think I was very, <laughs> I was I was annoyed. I was I was annoyed that I had to keep answering the same questions, and they were things that seemed obvious to me. Yeah. My my favorite one that I also kind of identify with is when people say mean stuff about you on the internet, should I tell you about oh, it? God. Yeah, don't <laughs> I don't, you know, there's that very like southern saying like, you know, uh I don't know, for some reason I always imagine uh Blanche from Golden Girls saying it like <laughs> what other people think of me is none of my business. Right. And I, I mean that's true. Like I don't I get this all the time and I used to get this even more so. People would be like Oh, uh, somebody said that they thought you were ugly, but I don't think you're ugly. <laughs> or somebody said that they, they didn't like your writing, but I like your writing. And yeah. I would be like, why are you telling me this? So, like, that's the thing. People people will tell me things and they'll be like, well, I don't think you're this. I don't think you're untalented. I don't think you're a husband. I don't think you're ugly. I don't think you're all these things. And I'm just like. <laughs> just uh, stick to the compliment half of if it. If you're going to, yeah. If yeah. you, you want to compliment me, fine. I mean, sometimes compliments can be, like, a little much, too. But, <laughs> but like, if you can find a nice way to say it. You yeah. Know. Are you are, are you're aware of uh, the kind of, like, lesbian icon status of Miss oh, Honey? Oh, yeah. Oh, definitely. <laughs> I, I mean, I was obviously a big fan of the movie when yeah. I was younger uh, as a, a young gay boy. But I, I've known a lot of young gay boys who really loved it, too. I had a, a guy tell me once, uh, he was like a friend of a friend, and he was British, and he was like, your movie was how my mom knew I was gay. <laughs> I just related to Matilda so much, I was watching the movie all the time. It's I, like, I don't think I, I realized like Miss Honey's lesbian status oh, yeah. icon until much, much later. Yeah, she's definitely a, that's definitely a thing. I don't think I realized it until until like probably until college yeah and that's when my friends started like you know sending me like Matilda and Miss Honey slash fan fiction <laughs> oh no which bothers me because guys <laughs> they have a parental relationship yeah uh, and people always ask me they're like did you have a crush on Miss Honey and I'm like no and Beth was like a sister to me yeah and and I mean you know when I remember when I when the when I read the books I was like I, I do remember being like oh she seems really nice and sweet and 
if I hadn't been Matilda, I probably would have. Empath is, you know, gorgeous right. and and so sweet and embodied that part so well. But no, I mean, she was like a big sister to me, so I, yeah. I didn't. So many, so many women have, will say that she yeah. was their first crush. Well, it's fun. Yeah, because I mean, I I can I have like a laundry list of men that I was like, yeah. oh, that's the one that did it. Yeah, and I, I, I hadn't too. thought about that for like what what does it for a lot of like lesbian and bi women. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely think, I think I've had a lot of conversations about Princess Jasmine. Uh-huh. Yeah, Princess Jasmine was, was <laughs> yeah. you, you know, bi-culture is, is not sh- being sure whether you want to be or date both Jasmine and Aladdin. Yeah. Yeah, that oh, is yeah. that is the problem, is you're not sure who you want to be and who you want to date, and it goes back and forth. <laughs> that's, that's, uh, that's something I fully believe. Maybe that's based on my own experience, but I've had a l- similar conversations. No, that is like the LGBT struggle. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's it's um, it, it's one of the struggles, right? <laughs> it's it's, one of the it's pretty low on the struggles. list, but exactly, yeah. exactly. <laughs> and so now I want to ask about your your newsletter. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, tell me ab- about it. I mean, it's like uh, speaking yeah. of your fans. I mean, it's it is this kind of like direct way to reach yeah. people. And cut out all of the all of the extra chatter on I've, Twitter. I've wanted for a while to be doing this because you know I used to keep a blog, but after I wrote my book and moved back to California last year, I was thinking, okay, I want something that's going to be keeping me steady writing, but I don't want to do blogging again because blogging was always sort of a jumping off point for me. Mm-hmm. I felt kind of in between, like I was writing a lot of stuff for the toast and the toast shut down mm-hmm. and uh, and I was writing, I, I started writing things for, for Elle magazine, but I wanted something also that was just for me. And I was thinking to myself, maybe I should start uh, an email list. And that's when Substack approached me. And they told me they were work with working with Daniel Mallory Ortberg, who used to run the Toast, and yeah. who is a brilliant writer and one of my favorite people. Uh, he's he's so funny and so great. And mm-hmm. uh, Substack approached me, and I was like, "How do you like it?" And he was like, "Oh, they're great. You should work with them." Yeah, and they have been. They've been fantastic. And so people can subscribe and get you know a newsletter there but there's also stuff that's available for the public to see if they if they read it got it they can get stuff directly sent to their inbox to sort of be read at their leisure but there's also a subscription service part of it too so uh, people can subscribe five dollars a month or fifty dollars a year uh, and they can uh, they can get like more exclusive content more more you know behind the scenes kind of stuff uh, some weirder stories that like I, I I just wrote one that was I've just started it so I just wrote one private story that was about um, that was about uh, um, uh, my hometown's weird relationship with Tim Burton <laughs> yeah and that's it, it that that gets kind of gross and weird and fandomy yeah <laughs> okay. it's it's very fandomy in a very weird and gross kind of way but uh, it's a funny story I think so it's uh, all like nonfiction some of it's nonfiction some of it's fiction right now it's only been nonfiction, but I definitely have more fiction that I want to dive into. All right. It's called Shan't We Tell the Vicar? <laughs> and that's because uh, I, I've I've watched a lot of like British and BBC shows mm-hmm. and uh, I'm I'm kind of I don't know I I don't want to say I'm an anglophile but I do watch a lot of British TV. So many British shows either have absolutely ridiculous names like uh, like um, you know Are You Being Served or you know Would I Lie to You or or just like. All these, all these, they're either questions, like they're either rhetorical questions or they have nothing to do with what the actual show is about, like right. Peep Show or Spaced. It's like, what does that have to do? Well, I guess Peep Show is like a show into some look into somebody's mind or, or yeah. Fleabag, you know? Right. You kind of have to. 
and and you're like, what does this have to do with anything? Uh, <laughs> or it'll be or it'll be like two people's names and just two very British names. So I came up with this list of things that I would believe were actual British TV shows. Uh huh. And they were things like Beamish and Quigley, and uh, <laughs> and uh, and there's also a lot of great reality TV titles. So I had a celebrity shouldn't be running a surgery, uh, and Pippa meets the Poors, and. Uh, <laughs> And uh, up your arse, Alistair. Uh, so there were there were all of these things, and it, it caught on. And I actually had like people from the BBC and and British actors like retweeting it. So I uh, and and shan't we tell the vicar was one of my favorite ones. And uh, so now I try to include. Uh, I, I call my Substack shan't we tell the vicar, and I try to include a fake BBC show title of the week. Got it. With with all of those. Um, well, I think that's our time. Yeah. But where can people find you and find your work? Uh, you can find me at mara.substack.com and at Mara Wilson on Twitter. Perfect. I do not have a public Instagram, so <laughs> stop following the person who just posts pictures of thirteen year old me. Good. <laughs> Thank you so and, oh, much. And Mara Wilson on Facebook also. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank I really you so appreciate much. it. This has been really fun. All right, we're almost there. We're almost at the end of the show. But first, our chasers. Chasers are the good stuff that helps all the bad shit go down easy. Barry, you have a chaser this week? I do, Matt. What is it? It's a little bit abstract. Oh, God. Is it <laughs> iridescent? Yes. <laughs> I tried doing this last week, and we had to cut it because Matt truly did not understand the concept. But here's the thing. In the 90s, there was this trend of like things being iridescent, and it makes me really happy that it's making a comeback. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad that this weird color gives you joy. <laughs> Thank you. What about you, Matt? What's making you happy this week? Basically, every day this week, I've been singing uh, I Have Nothing in the shower, like, for, like, three... <laughs> I need to do at least three solid uh, performances of I Have Nothing by Whitney Houston in my shower. And I sing along to the instrumental version. So <laughs> I can't be I can't be competing with Whitney. I have to perform it myself. But nothing brings me greater joy than just belting out a true ballad in the shower with key change and everything. Of course. Yeah. So my chaser is I have nothing and my uh groundbreaking performances of it. And that's it. That's everything. Thanks for listening to Unhappy Hour. You can head to Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Stitcher, wherever else you get podcasts. Hit that subscribe button, then rate us, review us, but only if it's nice. I don't want to read your shit. Unhappy Hour is a production of Pineapple Street Media. It's produced by Barry Finkel, Claire Ty, and me, Matt Belisai. Special thanks to Jenna Weiss-Berman, Max Linsky, Sin Pim, and Eleanor Kagan. Music by Hans Dale Sue. You can bother Barry at Pie, and you can worship me on all the social medias at Matt Belisai. And that's it. That's everything. Thanks for listening. See you next week. Uh, bye bye